Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cancer Mom. Thank you for tuning in. As always, it's Noor. Um, it is uh, really strange for me to be recording this at home right now because um, typically by this time each month, we are back in the hospital. Um, Aiden didn't start his chemo this week. His numbers aren't quite where his team wants them to be, so they're giving him a little bit more time to recover. So it gave me an entire extra week at home, and my God, what a gift it has been. Guys, my basement is clean. My garage is clean. I only have clean clothes in my house, which hasn't happened ever. Like, I don't even know how to explain to you what that feels like. It feels like I accomplished so much. It feels like I ran a marathon. It feels like I'm just on top of the world. I didn't run a marathon. I would never run a marathon. I don't run. The only thing I do in my yoga pants is sit around. <laughs> a couple of months ago, I actually did clean out my closet. Um, and I just was like, I'm going to embrace this athleisure life. And it really is more leisure than ath of the athletic leisure clothing um, trend. It's just straight up like elastic waistband that sucks in everything and a sports bra and a tank top that keeps all my business in place. And it's amazing. And the most amazing thing is that on Saturday Night Live, they did this amazing like, you know, fake ad about um, about yoga pants and like athletic wear. With Nike, women push it to the limit every day. Let's just say I roll with the punches. Because what you do is who you are. I'm a runner. I run. I'm a fighter. I fight. And I just sit the hell down and chill in these soft pants. Introducing the new Nike Pro Chiller Legging. Designed for endurance, but used for what most women actually do in leggings. Setting up shop on that couch. Because let's get real. Leggings can be pants, pajamas, and a napkin. Nike Pro Chiller Legging is advanced enough keep up with you wherever you go. The highest peak, the top of the podium. Couch, bed, other side of couch. My favorite part of the whole thing is that it ends with, women can do anything and I wanna do nothing. And I was like, yeah, girl, me too. Um, but it's amazing and I'll post up a video. Uh, I'll post up the full link um, of it as well, but I loved it, it, made me laugh. But you know, my house is clean, it feels good. I'm. At home, I have an extra week at home with Aiden. Aiden has an extra week at home with Noah. Like, the weather's on and off, but it's actually nice to be home. And some parts of me sometimes thinks, like, uh, why is the universe giving me more time with my kid at home? Like, what does that mean? Because now we're, you know, we're at the end. This is this is technically his last round of chemo for this particular protocol. And I'm really, really freaked out by it. Sometimes, sometimes, like, what does that mean? Is this a sign of something? But I think about something that Aiden's favorite nurse, aka boy Dr. Josh, told me a couple months ago. He said, do not question the good stuff. So I will not question it. I will accept it and I will celebrate it. But sometimes it gets really, really hard to see things that way because sometimes all of this just feels like the worst. The other day, I got a text message from someone um, who's like a distant relative, and they said in a text message to me that this year, 2018, is the worst year of their family's life. And this person isn't a cancer parent. Um, they're not a cancer survivor. Uh, they're 
perfectly fine. They're healthy, they're wealthy. But it was just someone who described January through April, four months of 2018, as being the worst time of their family's life. No one got sick, no one lost their jobs, no one ended up homeless, no one is starved, no one died, no one was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, no one lost their children. And I won't tell you why they said these last four months uh, made up the worst year of their life because you will be like, LOL, what kind of first world privilege shit is this? Because that's definitely what I was thinking when when I first got that text message. I was like, wait, is, is this for real? Like, can somebody be so unself-aware? Like, how do they say something like that? I mean, it was I, I was initially wildly offended by it. Like, how do you have the gall to text a mother of a cancer child complaining about how a few inconveniences and a busy schedule for four months made up the worst time of your life? But then... I thought about it a little bit more. I thought maybe this was the worst year of this person's life. Maybe she hasn't experienced anything worse than this. So try to put myself back in these places in my life, these moments in my life where I did feel like this was the worst time of my life. I remember being 12 years old and being bullied for being a brown girl in a white town, a really white town, a town called Whitehall. They used to call me Potato or Spud or spudhead because I was brown and kids are assholes and I remember thinking this is the worst thing I have ex- ever experienced in my life I remember being lied to and cheated on when I was 17 and again when I was 19 and again when I was 21 I remember feeling like I'm so dumb and this is the worst time of my life and when I was 22 and my nearly six-year-old immigrant father lost his job because the relatives he had worked for decided to sell their company and they left my dad out to dry and he lost his job and no one was going to hire a six-year-old immigrant man and I remember thinking this is the worst thing that has happened to my family or maybe it was six months later when I lost my very first job And I remember thinking, first my dad, and now me, even though I literally contributed nothing, I remember just feeling so helpless and so useless and thinking, this is the absolute worst. Or when, because of all these things, my parents had to suddenly sell the home they worked so hard to buy for us because, you know, my dad lost his job and my mom would never be able to run the house on her retail salary. When we had to say goodbye to our childhood home, and spend the following six years moving my parents and their memories and their keepsakes and their souvenirs from the happier years of their life, all the traveling that they did from basement to basement, from storage unit to storage unit. I remember thinking, fuck, this is so much stuff. This is the absolute worst. Or maybe it was when my dad got sick every six months for the last six years, just getting weaker and weaker every single time. Or maybe it's watching my mom see her husband's mental health slip away right in front of her. The man that she loved so much who gave her the best times of her life, who loved her more than life itself, just turned into someone so unrecognizable and someone who doesn't recognize her sometimes. That's been the absolute worst. Or was it going through postpartum depression twice feeling so angry and so sad that I didn't even find the comfort in being in the arms of my husband when he became a stranger to me or when it felt like I was completely alone in a room full of people. Or was it in October of last year when 
My brother, Nabil, could barely finish his thoughts when he told us that he had testicular cancer. Or was it three weeks later, on November 4th, when my firstborn, my sweet, gentle, old man-souled little boy fell off a chair right in front of me, when he woke up from a nap, inconsolable and miserable and vomiting, when we drove him to the ER, when the doctors came and told us he had a tumor, when I heard the term medulloblastoma, or astrocytoma, when I googled it and I saw the words cancer, malignant, aggressive. Or was it the morning of November 5th when I woke up in a hotel room with Noah and my mom and Aisha and I screamed and sobbed into my mom's arms, just begging her to tell me that this was all just a dream? Or was it November 6th when we took Aiden into the operating room with masks and gowns on, when he looked up at me with eyes full of fear, softly quivering and asking, Mama, can you please take your mask off? I don't like it, Mama. Can we please just go home? only for me to take him into a room full of strangers where I would leave him for nine hours, trusting his beautiful little brain to doctors I had only met just a day before, not knowing that I would ever hear his voice again. Or was the worst the evening of November 9th when I began hearing the whispers at the PICU nurse's station, Zahir, age three, medulloblastoma, obviously to be confirmed by the oncologist later that afternoon that it is an aggressive brain cancer. Or was it when they injected his little body with his first dose of chemo? Chemotherapy that is so toxic that I'm not even allowed to wipe his tears with my bare hands. You know, were those the absolute worst moments of my life? What did I feel in those moments? I felt helpless. I felt angry. I felt out of control. I felt confused. I felt such deep pain. I obviously can't and I would never, ever, 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 ever compare you know, a teenage heartache with my parents losing their home or my son having cancer. But can I weigh the trauma that I felt in that moment? You know, can I say that those moments didn't hurt, that they didn't sting, that they didn't keep me up all night, that they didn't give me anxiety or pain or sorrow? I can't. I can totally get annoyed with people who call me and tell me that their first world problems made their life miserable and it's like totally the worst time of their life because, you know, they're inconvenienced. These people who are so self-unaware, beyond repair. But I thought, well, you know, maybe it is the worst time that that person has felt. And maybe in those moments when we're feeling so sad, when we think this is the absolute worst, maybe part of us wishes that this is the absolute worst, that it could never get worse than this. And we hope that it would never feel worse than the way that we feel right now. Because we don't know if we would ever be able to, you know, overcome it. Maybe we pick ourselves up out of those moments knowing that if this is the absolute worst, then maybe everything moving forward is just better than this. You know, at the end of the day, I think it's all about perspective. You know, those times of my life when I thought these are the absolute worst moments I'm feeling could have actually been the best things that ever happened to me. You know, when I was bullied by racist middle schoolers, I learned that I was proud of my brown skin, that because I had no option but to wear it, that I would just wear it with pride. Or when I had my teenage heartbreaks, I learned more about myself and my self-worth and my choices and using my own voice. And at the end of the day, those heartbreaks led me to the best person in the world. My parents losing everything, my dad losing his job, when his closest family friends betrayed him when these crazy events forced my parents to uproot their lives when they had to choose which material items they would need to part with 
They learned who their closest friends were. They learned that their children were actually successful and responsible and able to take care of them. And they learned that the greatest joys in their life were actually seeing their children and their grandchildren just play with them and be happy no matter where they were. You know, when my mom realized that my dad was getting too sick to remember things anymore, it pushed her to retire early. It, he gets the one-on-one attention that he needs. And they even made the moves that they needed to to buy a retirement home that they can call their own. You know, it's a place where their grandchildren can come and run around in the backyard. And all the memories that my dad can make, whatever his brain is capable of soaking in, are just happy ones. When I lost my first real big girl job, I realized that I didn't want to do law anymore. And I set out on a completely new career path, one that helped me become the person that I am today. When I had postpartum depression the first time and even the second time, I mean, the first time for sure was the first time I had a real conversation with Bahad about my own mental health. The first time I really had that conversation with anyone about my own mental health. It's the moment I knew that I, he would stand by my side and be my pillar and just be there for me even when I didn't know that I could lean on him. And it was the first time I felt unashamed to admit that I needed therapy and that I needed to focus on my own mental health. I think about my brother getting diagnosed about two to three weeks before Aiden and I wonder if that was just like, you know, the universe preparing us for something that is so much worse and so much harder. I mean, it's a baby, but it's still something that gave me the courage to lean on my mom, you know? The fact that my mom and I were going through very similar experiences. I mean, it was also, my brother's also her firstborn, you know, son. And I was experiencing the same thing with my baby, my son, my firstborn. And I wonder if maybe sometimes that was just the universe's way of letting me know that I could lean on my mom, that at the end of the day, my mom is also a cancer mom. And I would need her in more ways than one, and she would understand in more ways than one. You know, when Aiden fell, when we learned what mental blastoma was, when I was plunged into this terrible world, I learned what an incredible team my husband and I were. We learned how to just be so good with each other and just lean on each other in the best ways that we could. When we wheeled Aiden into brain surgery that day, it felt so awful, but it was truly the best day of our life. It was the day that we were able to give him another chance at life. When we give him chemo, we say Bismillah, you know, in the name of God. We pray that it'll extend his life as painful and as toxic as it can be. You know, I can think back at every moment of my life that is awful and I truly don't even have to try that hard to plunge myself into complete darkness and total despair. My friend Talia and I talk about this all the time. We always talk about how in literally, in, it would take a mini second for us to make ourselves completely miserable. I mean, I don't even have to try. You know, we can totally go into major depression with just a drop of a dime. It just depends on the day. You know, we choose to see things, we choose to see the lighter side of things at times. guys. You know, cancer really is fucking awful. I mean, it is the absolute worst. It really is. And there is, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to drop myself into complete depression. I mean, I have all the right to, we all do. All of us cancer parents have the right to be completely sad and angry and pissed off about it. But at the same time, we're also part of a community that teaches us how quickly things can be so much worse than they actually are. Like I can 
say right now, like, yes, being a cancer parent is the absolute fucking worst, but I know from talking to so many parents, I know so many people personally that have experienced things worse than where I am right now. They've experienced worse cancers. I mean, it's, you know, we've been given an opportunity to see things from a whole new perspective after becoming cancer parents. I mean, that's for sure the truth. I, I feel that with every single person that I talk to, you know, whether you believe in God or anybody else, I feel like they all really have some way of saying like, just staying sane and staying positive and happy. And I think the reason why is because every moment of every day from access to care, to food, to shelter, to hospitals, to doctors, to medical teams, to the internet, I mean, all these things are an absolute privilege. All these things are available to us so that our one job is to fully focus on just loving, you know, loving ourselves, loving obviously our kids, our warriors, our partners, and to be loved, you know, and to allow love into your life in whatever way you can, to allow yourself to be loved, to accept support and aid and assistance from blood relatives to childhood friends to complete strangers. It can be such a terrible dark place to be in being a cancer parent, but, you know, I'm choosing to see the upside of things. I'm choosing to have unrelenting faith in humanity and just in the beauty of this world, while also recognizing that sometimes people are just short-sighted and awful and say awful things, and yes, they can they can be the absolute worst, but, you know, it's just, it's all about perspective. You know, the other day at clinic, there was a little girl, she was maybe seven, um, and she was in the playroom with Fahad and Aiden. And she said to Fahad, very matter of fact, she said, I was three when I had cancer. It went away and now it's back again. And that was it. That's all she said. She just said that. And Fahad told me he had no idea what to say to her. Like it was just silence. And he was just like in awe of her ability to just say these words. And then she just continued on with something else, like what she was going to eat for lunch that day or that she liked fish or how much she enjoyed eating all types of fish. And, you know, obviously Aiden was there, so he had to, like, pipe in by being like, ew, I don't like fish. And, like, you know, just like that. A seven-year-old told us that she had relapsed. Like, that was it. You know, there was no shame. There was no sadness. There was no pity or prayers. Like, she just chose, she chooses not to be a walking tragedy. She chooses to be an inspiration, and that's what she was that day. You know, all these seemingly awful things that have happened in our lives to test our faith and our strength within ourselves, I mean, they're not the worst. That's the, the craziest thing is that they're probably the best things to ever happen to us. They're the things that teach us so much about ourselves, things that we would have never known had we continued to just be comfortable. And obviously, I mean, do I wish that these terrible things didn't need to happen for me to learn more about myself? Of course I do. But then how would I ever know? How can we ever really know how tall we will stand with the burden of the world on our shoulders if we don't try? You know, these moments in my life, these terrible things that happen, they didn't define me. I mean, yeah, sure, I have a podcast called Cancer Mom, but that's not all I am. I mean, that's not all we are. We're not just cancer moms and dads. You know, each one of you is an inspiration. You know, Aiden's treatment is coming to an end, and I thought that this was such a long time, but I met parents over the last few months that have been in treatment for a decade. I mean, there's types of cancers that require years and years of active treatment and then maintenance. I mean, there are cancers for children that never, ever put them in remission. There are parents who I have met who don't have treatment for their children. 
They're parents who wake up every morning scared to wake their children up out of fear that what if they don't wake up? You know, and the craziest thing is that those parents are always the friendliest, the happiest, the most incredible to be around. Like the best huggers, like they're they're the most they're the best friends that I've made. You know, they just make you just they make you feel so good about the world. I have a friend who's just experienced the lowest of lows followed by the highest of highs within 24 hours. And she's just the most incredible person I've ever met in my life. And she's the most inspiring person I I think I'll ever know. And it sucks that she had to go through this really awful thing, but she and her family are shining a light, a huge light on this awful world in an incredible way. I mean, they are touching people in world in ways that I can't even describe, but they just make me feel so hopeful. They let me know that I'll be okay no matter what, you know? They make you cherish every single thing that you have right in front of you. I know that there's still people out there on HGTV and everywhere else choosing to put themselves in these like yurts and huts and four by four boxes for homes, but even that is a privilege, you know, the choice to live a life in a particular way, just choice. For some people, the ability to just have a choice is everything. You know, the fact that our lives have been turned upside down because of an illness that we don't have control over, it really does suck. But at the same time, you know, there are huge populations of the world who send their children out of their homes for something as simple as like school. And they don't know if they're ever going to see their kids again. And this even happens in the United States. I'm not saying that you can compare the two things or I'm not saying that one thing is sadder than the other, but I think that the fact is that when your child is in treatment or when your child has cancer but they're in front of you, it's, it's, it's so hard and so difficult to stay in the moment and stay happy and stay hopeful because you're just like, this is the worst and I want to go back to my old life. But at the same time, it's just an inspiring experience and it's so hard to describe to somebody who's not in it. But every second of every moment of our lives should just be celebrated. You know, everything should be celebrated. If if you've lost your child, you should be celebrated. You as a parent of a child who is finally free of the needles, of the side effects of all those things. I mean, you and your child should be celebrated. Your family should be celebrated. You are the strongest amongst us. You know, everything... Even the worst moments of our life are a reminder to celebrate the person that you are. Because to be alive, to be breathing is to be celebrated. Celebrate your strength, your courage, your resilience. You know, like I said, you're not just a cancer mom and dad. You are a superhuman. You are doing the equivalent of like lifting a bus with your bare hands to save your child. I mean, you did that. You should be celebrated. This is, this is that, you know. You don't know how... What is that term? What is that quote by like Bob Marley? I think it is. It's you don't know how strong you are until you have to be. And that's true. I mean, we don't know how strong we are until we have to be. So these ter- these moments that we have in our lives that feel like, oh my God, this is the absolute worst. I mean, they really teach us about all the strength that we have inside of us. Over the last few weeks, I've been able to meet, um, e-meet some really amazing people through the podcast. And one really, really inspiring girl is a 16-year-old named Grace Weather. Um, She published a book called You're So Lucky. It's a collection of her art and journal entries from the age of 13 when she was diagnosed with brainstem glioma. It's a really scary type of cancer. It is inoperable and generally untreatable. 
Um, Grace is now thir- Grace is now 16, so she lands into this 13% um, of people who survive this really awful disease. And included in this book are essays from other brain tumor survivors, from BMX racers to cancer moms to other teenagers. I mean, as a parent, you know, of a child who's only four, it's hard for him to explain to me what he's feeling or how this stuff is affecting him. So it's been really nice for me to read from the perspective of teenagers who have gone through this because at the end of the day, like chemo does so much shitty stuff to your body that it's really interesting to read it from the perspective of someone who understands. I mean, I know that Aiden doesn't fully grasp the idea of like, this is cancer or what, you know, mama and Abba have him in hospital for, but I know that he is now starting to understand that this is necessary for him to be okay. Like he knows that something's up and that he needs to do this to be okay, but he still gets mad. He still wants to leave. And it's been really, really interesting to read the perspective of like teenagers and preteens. And and I find these stories to be so inspirational because even with side effects and all this stuff, like these kids, they decided to write their stories down and they just warm my heart. And um, I'll leave you with something Grace says in the very beginning of her book about being lucky she says a lot of people tell me you're so lucky after they hear my story well okay first they say oh my god i'm so sorry and then they say you're so lucky but what is luck anyway would you have told me i was lucky three years ago when i was literally given a death sentence luck is defined as a success or failure apparently brought by chance rather than one's own actions in other words random but i don't think this is random i mean how could it be That was when I decided to take control of my luck. You're probably thinking, Grace, that's not how it works. But why not? It's my life. Make it that way. I thought that was such a wise thing for a young person to say and somebody who doesn't know how much longer they have of their life, but for them to just take control of it. You know, I don't know why Aiden's chemo has been moved a week. I hear that it's normal. I hear that it's expected. But, you know, sometimes it's hard for my mind to not spin into a dark place and start to think that maybe there's a reason for it. But I don't have to think about the reason for why these things are happening right now. I just need to embrace the fact that it's happening right now and know that I'll come out of it okay. You know, even the worst things that have happened in my life, those times when I felt miserable, they all happened and they passed. And I learned so much about myself and I was able to come out so strong and so happy and... I just have to realize that even though this is hard, I I am a motherfucking survivor, you know? I, we all are. We're all gonna eventually come to the other side of this and we won't be the same. You know, right now we are swimming, not to sink. And when the tide settles, we'll finally have to learn to breathe again and we'll realize that our lungs are filled with water and it's not the same as before, but we'll overcome it and it'll be okay. Thanks for listening again to an episode of Cancer Mom. If you want to talk more, I am on Facebook at Cancer Mom Podcast. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Cancer Mom Noor. And as always, never give up and fuck cancer. Bye.